Hi listeners, I'm your host Rebecca Kelly and welcome back to The Station, a fiction podcast about a girl named Edith Shepard who's trapped on an old abandoned space station called the Delta. Now, before we begin, I want to say thank you to all my wonderful listeners. I am so grateful that you're here, and I really hope that you're enjoying the story. In today's episode, we're back in the present day with Ale Bacchus, the NASA engineer who's discovered the rogue SOS signal coming from the Delta. Ale believes that the Delta is still in orbit, even though it was supposed to have deorbited many years earlier, and he's about to conduct an experiment to see if his theory is true. Here is chapter 19 of The Station. Tucked away in his little office on the third floor, Ale sat gazing at the screen in front of him. He had several pictures pulled up in various places on the large hollow screen. There it was, the Delta Space Station. After Rich got back to him with the exact orbit of the signaling object, he did some math and with his personal high-definition camera, took some pictures using a long-range lens. Something orbiting that quickly in low Earth orbit would be tough to catch on a telescope. But through a wide-angle camera lens or a pair of field binoculars, you could get a pretty good view of it. In an attempt to get better quality pictures, he drove over a hundred miles north of Baltimore into the northern Maryland countryside. He was fortunate that night because the sky was as clear as a bell. First, he tried finding the object with binoculars. He saw it moving overhead, right where it was supposed to be. Almost all large satellites can be seen with the naked eye in the clear night sky. But on this night, the delta was particularly bright as it raced through the heavens. Looking at the big, bright object, he was struck with a moment of disbelief. How could nobody have noticed this huge object orbiting the Earth before now? He shook his head at the thought. It boiled down to the fact that nobody was really looking. Nobody would have guessed that the Delta space station could still be up there, continuing to chug along at orbital velocity some 18 years after it was abandoned by its crew. After looking at the object through his binoculars for several seconds, he was positive it had to be the Delta. It was definitely a space station with various modules giving the shiny object a geometric pattern, not a round blob of light like you might see if you looked at one of the TDRS through field binoculars. He could clearly see the round G module sticking out at one end. Ale took about 50 pictures of the object from various angles before it finally dropped below the horizon. These were the snapshots he now analyzed on the hollow screen in front of him. As he looked over the pictures and compared them to his notes about the Delta, he became more convinced. There had to be someone up there running it. There was no other way it could have stayed in orbit for so long. When Rich emailed Ale the orbital parameters, he mentioned that it was settled in an orbit that would definitely decay without regular boosting. Based on the size of the object that he now looked at, Ale knew this had to be true. If a satellite was small enough and placed into a high enough orbit, say several thousand kilometers above the surface, it could, in theory, go many years, even as long as 18 years, without an orbital boost. But the closer you got to Earth, the more atmospheric drag there was. Space stations historically orbited in lower orbits, since they were dependent on regular supply ships. 
They stayed at a relatively low orbit so that these supply ships could reach them without needing bigger rockets. The object that Ali looked at in his pictures was orbiting low, perhaps 400 kilometers or less. He leaned back in his desk chair, one leg crossed over the other at the ankle, hands pressed against the back of his head, and stared at the ceiling, thinking about the possibilities. He considered the idea that someone was operating the station remotely. In theory, there didn't need to be a crew on board to keep the systems of the Delta running. Communications had been lost shortly after the war broke out, but it didn't mean that someone hadn't realized it in time and made contact with the station before it deorbited. But the odds of this were low for two reasons. First, there really weren't any active space agencies during the war. Nobody kept up with space exploration while they were fighting to save themselves. And second, somebody would have said something by now. The war had been over for years. He was confident that someone would have come forward and said, Oh, by the way, remember that space station, the Delta? Yeah, we've been controlling it remotely since the beginning of the war. It's still up there. What should we do with it? No, he didn't believe it was possible. He considered that perhaps there was an artificial intelligence running it. From what he'd seen of the old NASA system logs, the Delta hadn't been equipped with a sophisticated AI, but those records were decades old and they were incomplete. They could be wrong. One question tickled at the back of his mind, though. If the Delta was on autopilot, why would it broadcast an SOS? It didn't make sense. He shifted forward in his chair, picked up his phone, and dialed down to the coding room. Hello, Gina? Ale asked when she picked up her extension. Yes, this is Gina Lau. Hi, Gina, this is Ale Bacchus again. I've got kind of a weird request for you. Oh, she said. Like running triplicate code checks on six satellites wasn't weird enough, she asked with a roll of her eyes. What do you need? Uh, how are the satellites doing? He asked, ignoring her initial remark and avoiding the subject of his call for a second longer. Good so far, she said. They're expected to be in their final orbits by Monday afternoon. Then we'll start running some basic checks and communication tests. They should be fully operational for commercial use within 30 days, as planned. That's great. Good news, he said, hesitating. His next words would make him sound crazy, and he knew it. But he also knew it was the right thing to do. I've got a favor for you, if you don't mind. Again... I'd like you to keep this one just between us. Think you can do that? Depends on the favor, she said. I need you to broadcast a message, he said. I want it to run through all six satellites and go on a continuous loop over the next 24 hours. I'm sorry, a message? She asked. If he'd been able to see her face, he would have seen the look of a woman seriously doubting the sanity of the person on the other end of the line. He knew how crazy it sounded, there was absolutely no reason for their shiny new communication satellites to send out a broadcast, unless there was someone up there to receive it. Yes, a message, he continued. I think there's someone up there that can pick it up. Oh, wait. You weren't talking about that signal I picked up a few days ago, she asked. You don't think there's someone up there, do you? But she stopped, because... From the sound of his voice, that's exactly what he thought. Well, yes and no, he said. I'm not sure, but I think this is the best way to know for sure. Like I said, 
that's why I want this to be just between us for now. I know it sounds crazy, and judging by the tone in your voice, you think I'm crazy for asking, but I need to know for sure. I certainly don't want to waste satellite time after they get into their orbits. That's when the majority of the troubleshooting will take place, and a lot more people will be involved then. So we need to do this now while they're still in travel mode. I'd like to do it tonight since you're working night shift and you're already somewhat involved. She sighed and said, okay, I guess so. Wow, if there really is someone up there. Her voice trailed off and she was silent for a moment, just long enough for both of them to shiver in their desks simultaneously. The fact was, if there was someone up there, that person had been alone for almost two decades and neither of them wanted to think about how scared and lonely and crazy a person would have to be to survive by themselves on a space station for that long. Well, what do you want your message to say? She asked. Luke, I am your father. She grinned at this. But as soon as she said it, she regretted the remark. He would surely think of her as an enormous geek for cracking a ridiculous Star Wars joke at that tense moment. Ale snickered on the other side of the phone, happy that she'd broken the tension with a joke. He happened to be a big Star Wars fan himself. Well, that's one way to go, but I'm thinking that we'll just send out a message asking um, whoever it is to tune into a ham radio frequency. Then I won't have to use multi-billion dollar space communication satellites to do this little experiment, at least for now. Okay, she said, that should be easy enough. Email me exactly what you want to say, and I'll send it out. Thanks, Gina. You're a pal, Ali said which, of course, turned Gina's normally pale face bright tomato red. She was very happy that he wasn't standing there. That would have been really embarrassing. Thanks for listening, Sci-Fi fans. Will Ale's experiment work? Will he finally reach Ida and initiate communication with the Delta for the first time in almost 20 years? Find out next time. See you then. Bye.